Welcome to episode 51 of the Dipshit Files. I'm Mr. Scriptkeeper. And I'm Mrs. Scriptkeeper. And we're returning to a topic known as Yellowstone Weirdness. Yeah. But this time it's not a cryptid's tale. Well. Um, okay. There might be some cryptids. <laughs> is there going to be a ranger? Ranger you, Jim, does he return? No, Ranger Jim does not. This time we have Ranger Richard. Oh! <laughs> ranger Dick! Or Ranger Rick. Decide in the comments now. Ranger Rick, Ranger Dick. <laughs> Let's check out this dipshit file on the other side of this. So this week, we continue on our Yellowstone weirdness path with more park ranger stories. Today's information comes from a park ranger named Richard. Ranger Dick. And ranger Dick <laughs> does whatever a ranger Dick does. And events that happened to him between 1989 and 1991 in Yellowstone National Park. Ranger Dick, late 20th century, doing stuff in the woods and things. <laughs> he believes these events are part of an effort to suppress what's really going on in this park. Ranger Dick, conspiracy theorist, trying to get to the bottom of shit. <laughs> Sorry, I won't do that every other sentence. Yellowstone is a popular Ranger Dick. Yellowstone Sorry. is a popular location where campers, hikers, and nature lovers go to escape their everyday lives and get a chance to see abundant wildlife that they wouldn't normally see. Now, you guys know that from, uh, of course, just being on the earth. On the earth, yeah, <laughs> yeah. pretty much. Um, be- <laughs> pretty ma- beautiful mountains, gorgeous surroundings. <laughs> <laughs> that's like just for, that's like back in the day when they're doing dictionaries. They would like have a horse and the, and the, de- the definition mm-hmm. would be like, everyone knows what a horse is. Yeah, maybe, yeah pretty <laughs> much. Way to go, wife. Anything you could possibly want out of camping experience or outside adventure. Uh, what many people don't realize is there is potentially a much darker side to Yellowstone. Mm. Today, we're going to explore some weird experiences you may not have heard about. These stories are told by one park ranger and his work partners. So let's begin. Time now for the wacky-ass story of Ranger Dick and more Yellowstone weirdness. I'm going to read these stories mostly in first person as he wrote them in. Mm. Um, They have been edited so I can actually read them. Um, But for the most part, these are in first person. These are Ranger Dick POV. I had already been working as a park ranger for about two years prior to these events. Everything started happening around late summer of 1989. It all began when I received a call from one of my fellow partners. Many of the rangers on our team worked closely together, and we'd been called to investigate a campsite that had been apparently attacked in the middle of the night by what they had suspected as wild animals. Now, this camp sat at the far northern end of Yellowstone Park, and upon arriving, we noticed that not only was the entire campsite destroyed, but there were three bodies, all horribly mutilated. Once we observed the surrounding area and documented any evidence we could find, it appeared that these people were attacked and killed by what we would suspect to be wild animals. It didn't appear that this was a case of murder or any type of foul play. Although the killings were apparently done by wild animals, we were not able to determine exactly what. Some of us figured it was bears and others thought maybe wolves, but we weren't sure based on the way the corpses looked. 
As it turns out, DNA evidence would actually point towards canines, but it was not wolf DNA, oh, which shit. was strange. Oh, shit. It's a dog, man. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, there how was... How many titties were there and how big were they? <laughs> there were ample amount of wolves in Yellowstone, and they had proven to be a problem in the past, but not like this. We had never had a case where there was a campsite destroyed, literally torn to pieces with three bodies completely mutilated. Now, it's important to say that when wolves kill, they do not leave bodies like this. I mean, there was nothing really eaten on these bodies. The flesh was just shredded. There aren't many predators that actually do that and not eat their kill. Now, looking back, it seems as if this particular case was a catalyst for more weird happenings and sightings of strange things all around the park. Just after this had happened, an elderly woman in her late 60s was allegedly attacked by a large upright walking animal. Now, this attack was witnessed by a group of hikers and was so ruthless and violent that both of her arms were torn off. She received medical treatment, but would die on the way to the hospital, and they were never able to get a statement from her depicting exactly what had attacked her and why. Mm -hmm. Shortly after this had happened, a young newlywed couple were found dead after they had been missing for well over a week. Their bodies were recovered roughly a mile from their campsite, But there were some very strange circumstances surrounding not only their disappearance, but their death. Their bodies appeared to be in perfect condition. Even their clothes were clean. There were no signs that they had been dragged or uh, were in any type of altercation. In fact, it appears as if whatever had taken them had just laid them down on the ground where they were found. Hmm. Their bodies were discovered about 300 yards apart. The male found propped up against a tree while the female was kind of wedged between two large boulders. Mm -hmm. The most disturbing part of this particular case was that both had been decapitated. Now, this wasn't a case of somebody cutting them off, but rather tearing them off. Yikes. The female's head was never found, but three weeks after the discovery of the body, somebody had reported a strange object near the trail. And when we went to investigate it, it was actually the male's head. Fuck. At this point, he'd been missing for well over a month, which means his head should have been out there in the wild decaying, but it was almost in perfect condition. What? In fact, the blood was still kind of coagulated where it had been torn from the body. There were no signs of decay or insect activity. However, something to note about this man's head was that his eyeballs were missing and his tongue had been removed. The delicious parts. They had no answers to their questions, but would eventually conclude that it was part of a ritualistic satanic cult killing. Mm. At the very end of September, they would also find a wandering naked man coming down one of the more popular trails. Fortunately, he was spotted by one of the rangers and not a hiker. Not only was he naked, but appeared to be completely out of his mind. Upon digging a little deeper into his identity, turns out his name was Edward, and he was a 44-year-old full-time foreman for a construction company. Hmm. This is a man who, for all intents and purposes, would be at least rational to have such a rich work history. They had taken him in for questioning, clothed him, and asked him why he was out in the middle of the trail muttering to himself without any clothes on. Turns out, the man had been missing for nine days and was last seen at a completely different portion of the park. His story is that he was taken by a large, black, hairy creature, or, to use his words, 
the bear man. Bear man. Okay. <laughs> when he was being Get, questioned. Out there. I know, right. When he was being questioned, his eyes were darting around in fear and he was speaking in fragmented and broken sentences, describing things as a small child would. It appeared as if whatever had happened to him had traumatized his brain so badly he had regressed to a younger state. Damn. Based on his story, the bear man had taken him out of his tent during the night and had taken him to what he described as an underground cavern that had a lake in it. Now, we weren't exactly sure what to make of this portion of the story because it already seemed so far-fetched, but he went on to describe this underground cavern in great detail describing the vast number of human bones scattered around him and that there were several other tall, black, hairy creatures. He didn't really give much detail about what they actually look like, but just kept referring to them as the bear people. At some point during this nine-day stint, they took his clothes from him and warned him not to tell anybody about what had happened or they would hunt him down and eat him. Okay, the bear men are speaking English and stuff? It seems to be. He explained that they kept him alive and they fed him berries and cooked meat, although he's not sure what meat it was. They never told him. Hmm. Basically, they just offered him food and he ate it to stay alive. And there were weird weird George Foreman grill marks on it. It's like, wow, bear man. He also explained that he was kept in this small little section of the cavern, which was guarded by two of these things. And at some point, they brought him in some sort of device that put him to sleep. Okay. Now, technological bear man. Exactly. It was like this metal box that put him to sleep. Now, the next thing that he knows is that he woke up in the middle of the clearing in the forest. He wandered around until he found the path where one of our partners had discovered him. Now, as seeing the rangers were listening to this story unfold, they thought this man had either done a lot of LSD or was completely batshit crazy because there is no way that the detail he's describing can be even remotely true. But they would put Edward through extensive testing, psychological and drug testing, and any other sort of uh, research of family history of mental illness or dementia. But evidently, he had passed everything. I'm unsure personally if he ever made a full recovery because I never followed through myself. All I know is from the details that I was given during this time of when Edward was found. This is Ranger Dick talking. Yes, Ranger Richard. Now, before I really dive into the meat of the story, I want to clarify these weird happenings were just the tip of the iceberg. I had no idea that things were about to escalate to a level I never thought possible. At this point, about seven weeks had passed since the couple were originally found, and things have been happening all over the park. Everything from seeing strange apparitions, to dark shadows, to hearing voices, seeing weird shapes. Park guests were beginning to get spooked, and although there wasn't a lot of talk amongst campers and rangers, you could tell that the happy feel of the park was beginning to change. You know what I think it is? Mr. Fuggles? No. Radon. <laughs> I think That's they got a ra- right. They, got some they radon have a radon leak. Yeah. Part of this was also brought on by these strange men who, at the time, I thought were part of the Secret Service. They kept showing up, threatening the staff, speaking to hikers, and just generally intimidating everyone they interacted with. They would just kind of come and go. I even spoke to my boss about it at one point, but he claimed that his hands were tied and he was not allowed to divulge any information regarding who they were or what sector of government they may or may not have been from. As I recall, it was later on in October, 
We were soon approaching Halloween and I received a call from a fellow ranger, one of my closer colleagues who informed me that there's a man that I need to speak to. He knew some things that I had experienced and had worked on and he wanted to tell me his story. So we brought this man in. He asked to remain anonymous, so I never got his name, but he really seemed nervous. And I think ultimately he was afraid of revealing too much information because he was afraid it would either get him detained or that something bad was going to happen if he told his story in its entirety. Hmm. Fortunately, I was able to get information out of him and assure him that nothing would happen. So his story was this. On the northeastern end of the park, there was a campsite that he found where he saw a deformed man. I asked him for a bit more of a description other than just a deformed man, and he paused. He thought really hard, and he actually kind of began to stutter. He, he seemed genuinely afraid of what he saw. He had a hard time making eye contact and struggled to describe what had happened to him, but he went on to tell me, what he thought was a deformed man was actually something else. And he begged us not to call him crazy, but he would go on to describe what he saw as having, having the head of a wolf or a bear, oh, but with long arms, massive claws, and strange blue and white markings all over its body. Mr. Fuggles has racing stripes. <laughs> does he? I guess. I this asked, one does. It's a new breed. I asked him what he meant by blue and white markings, and he described them almost like tattoos, but that's not what they were. He couldn't really give any more information. It, it was just really bizarre. Hmm. Now, he claimed to have stumbled upon this creature because of a sound. Evidently, he was sleeping and was awakened by a voice calling him deeper into the woods. He says this voice wasn't a voice he could exactly place. I feel like, like you, should, you should always avoid those voices. Right. Okay. Like it wasn't necessarily of someone he knew or recognized, but he said it was a very calming, familiar voice. He says he felt this sensation come over him that he needed to follow this voice because it was leading him somewhere. So basically, he felt compelled. Vespa. Vespa, my child, come to me. I'm your father, King Roland. Would I lie? The way he Sorry. described it was that he just needed to follow whatever this voice was to where it was leading him. And after following it for a while, he came upon this clearing with a campsite and this being who didn't seem to notice that he was even watching. He went on to describe the location of this campsite in a small ravine tucked away on the northern sector of the park, right near the mouth of a cavern where he says he believes this thing came out of. At this point, he was so filled with fear and confusion that he turned to run, but tripped and this thing hurt him. It turned and looked right at him, and he described what he saw as having red eyes. Okay, that's good. And he kept saying things like, I woke it up or I disturbed it because he said it quickly turned from a curious creature looking around to a very angry facial expression and actually charged at him, climbing up the ravine to get to him. This really makes me want to camp a lot. He said he was so terrified he sprinted all the way back and actually ended up hiding in the forest for well over 12 hours nope. before finding a ranger to contact and to tell his story to. Yeah, you wouldn't by chance have a clean pair of pants, would you? Simply put, what he described was 
in, in unnatural. It was unnatural and something that was uh, it was very hard to swallow based Tat- on tattoo his bear given description. It sounds like bear bears out in the woods, fucking I, right. Ketchup. But is this in Idaho? No, it's not in Idaho. No, it was. Uh, it's in Yellowstone. Well, that's, there's a connection. Kind of, they can they can migrate close. Yeah. But when I look back at the things that have been happening over the past few years, not only with the young couple but the elderly lady and Edward who'd been found and taken to an underground cavern and now this man who had described something similar to the bear people this bear wolf like creature was also near the mouth of a large cavern Hmm. so my partner and I sat down and we compared notes at this point and we thought maybe there was a correlation between these events that were happening and we might get to the bottom of this and find out exactly what's going on or Maybe get some more information. So they called the radon guy. Right. So we thought, why not? It couldn't possibly hurt to go out and explore to see exactly what he's talking about. So my partner and I set out to explore the location in question. Can't hurt. Fuckles, fuckles, right. fuckles, fuckles. He even gave us a map with the exact coordinates of this place, which was roughly about five miles away from our current location. Hmm. However... In hindsight, we really should have gone earlier in the day where we had daylight and didn't have to rely on flashlights to navigate. Mm. I mean, we weren't exactly believing what these people had to say. So why not go at night when it's quiet, right? Mm. You know, later in the afternoon. We weren't thinking we'd actually see what we did this evening. Now, to get to this location, we had to go through quite a bit of backcountry. It was kind of steep at some parts, at least the way that we went. I'm not exactly sure the route that this gentleman took to get where he was, but the way we went was a bit rugged and took quite a few hours to get there. Once we had safely made it around and to the ravine area, I noticed um, almost like a shift. I know that sounds dramatic, but it's almost like a change in temperature. You know, you know when you just feel something different, that's kind of like, um, it's kind of like what I felt like uh, being unwelcome, he says. Mm. So just oh. <laughs> okay. So just so you know, there are no campsites or anything around here open to the general public around this portion of the park, at least during this time of the year. The woods and timber were also growing increasingly thick, dramatically taking away our vis- visibility, and coupled with the fact that the sun was already setting and dusk was approaching, we had no choice but to use flashlights and to dig deeper into the woods to try and find out exactly what he was talking about. After venturing off into the deep timber for quite some time, we had found what my partner and I both described as large humanoid tracks. Now, we don't use the words humanoid lightly. Hmm. I say humanoid because it didn't exactly resemble that of a man's tracks. It was different. It was like an animal track and a man's track combined, if that makes any sense. The feet prints were elongated, but also rounded, and it didn't exactly match the way a human print would indent into the ground. They were large, and there were also claw marks, and the stride distance was uh, at least five feet long, which implied a very long stride had happened. Now, the tracks were sort of faded, but we could generally make out where they were leading off to, and we followed these for about another mile until we found the ravine in question. We never did find the campsite the man spoke about, but we believe that we found the cave that he was referring to. Hmm. The ravine or canyon that sat before us was a bit deeper than what we had initially thought, and with the sun now dipping behind the trees, visibility was worse than ever before. 
we could see that the canyon or the ravine kind of dropped down and fed into the mouth of a rather large cave. And almost immediately, this primal fear struck both my partner and I. It's almost as if in that moment, the stories that we had heard, everything, the sightings, the experiences from the missing persons to the events of Edward and our anonymous informant, so to speak, were all becoming a reality. What I thought before were just tales seemed more realistic than ever in my entire career. We were about to venture down and truly explore what was in the mouth of that cave. It, it could be potentially dangerous. We weren't even sure. After giving ourselves a little bit of a pep talk, though, we began our descent down the side of the ravine into the smaller part of the canyon where the mouth of the cave was. What kind of pep talk do you give yourself? I can fight a bear. I can fight I a know, bear. Right? I will punch the bear and I will kill him. <laughs> I will take the bear down with my bare hands. Fuck a bear. I don't know. But as we got closer, we could kind of see into the mouth of the cave because it wasn't like it opened up into a large chamber. It was it kind of dipped down a little bit where you could only partially see in. But something that my partner and I noticed right away was this faint glow of greenish light on the inside. Okay. That would almost kind of glow brighter and then dim. It would glow and then die down. I'm pretty sure radon gives off a glow. Does it? I don't know. And my partner and I kept glancing at each other thinking, "Are, are you seeing what I'm seeing? I mean... There's no way this could actually be happening. What could possibly be inside this portion of the cave that's emitting this much light, let alone a green pulsing light? It was very strange and piqued our curiosity. So as we approached, we were able to peek down and see what was in there. All the while this is going on, remember that those feelings of being unwelcome is still very much present, but we're doing our best to ignore it and press on with this mission. Now, as we get closer to the mouth of the cave and we're trying to figure out what's causing this green light, we get a whiff of this stench, this putrid smell that seems to be coming out of the cavern as if the air is pushing it out towards us. The smell was a mixture of blood, kind of an irony smell, along with rotting meat and a musty, moldy smell. I distinctly remember my partner saying how the smell was making her queasy, and this was all while we were climbing down the rocks to get closer to the mouth of the cave. Now, just as we're getting hit with this horrendous odor, we begin to hear something large that sounds like random movement and rustling coming towards the mouth of the cave from the inside. At this point, our hair is standing up all over our bodies and we feel like something really bad is going to happen. You know, we've all experienced it. It comes from your gut and seems like your body's way of telling you, you need to get out now. I'd never be in that situation because I don't go in caves. You need to escape the situation you're in because things are about to turn bad. (laughs) I listened to my gut instinct. I was not going to press forward because we were going into uncharted territory here. Ultimately, we had no idea what we were dealing with. And the stories we thought were fabricated were now taking a turn toward reality. So I grabbed my partner and we climbed back up somewhat and hid behind this boulder. It's kind of a smallish boulder. Here, we could still see the mouth of the cave, but where we were now, for the most part, we were concealed. This is where things uh, changed for me entirely. In this very moment, what stepped out of the mouth of that cave still gives me nightmares to this day and makes this story very hard to write. 
What my partner and I saw, what Edward, the witness, had described and the other gentleman described, almost down to the absolute detail, we could hardly believe what we were looking at. It was like a a bear and a wolf and a man put into one. It had these white bluish markings, almost like deep claw marks or scars. I guess scars is probably the best way to describe it. All over the front part of its body and down its arms. The hands looked just like human hands. They had four fingers and a thumb and long claws that almost hung down to its side. The head itself was so massive, it looked as if it was going to topple over on the body. Hmm. It was a mix of a wolf and a bear, if you could imagine what that would look like. It, it wasn't quite wolf, but it wasn't quite bear either. It was something in between with very human-like features. I can remember vividly it having a very profound brow ridge, deep-set eyes, kind of orangish, that almost seemed to glow, and a snout that was more broad and a bit long, but not like a wolf where it's longer, but closer to that of a bear where it's shorter. Hmm. And teeth that kind of reminded me of a reptile or a crocodile or something because of how much they hung out of the jaws. <laughs> but it was the fact <laughs> But it was the fact that the head itself was sitting on a man-like body. That was just enough to terrify us both. I mean, we were only about 35 feet away from it at most, and behind it came two other beings that were very similar but slightly smaller and we watched these things as they looked around at each other and they seemed to be communicating now not with actual verbal speech but we saw mouth movement to some extent so at one point they began sniffing around like an animal would and deep in my gut i just knew that our cover had been blown they could smell them they knew we were there and we had no choice but to leave now or something bad was really going to happen I reached over, grabbed hold of my partner, and said, we got to go now. My partner didn't even hesitate. Hmm. She got up with me, and we started to climb quickly up the rocks back to where the tree line was. As this was happening, we hear this gut-wrenching scream come from the area of the cave, and instantly I knew we had been seen by these things. The scream was like if you took a hundred men, tortured them, and put them all in one giant chorus and then drop the pitch dramatically. It was like bellowing demons coming out of the mouth of this cave, and you could hear the bass of this thing just echoing and all throughout the canyon. That's fat, bro. Tight. As we were scrambling to the top in the direction that we came, we could hear movement of these things behind us coming up the rocks, and they were coming quick. As we reached the tree line, we ran for our lives. Whatever these things were, they were going to tear us apart and no one was ever going to find us. Mm. The entire way back to the visitor center was a blur. I think we were so full of adrenaline trying to move as quick as we could all those miles back. I think fear took over and I don't even remember the trip. But Three minute miles. I do remember having a conversation with my partner saying, how are we possibly going to tell all the other rangers and our boss? <laughs> what is he going to say? How do you even approach this conversation? You're fired, Looney Tune. I feel that for a period of time, we were actually followed in the woods by whatever those things back there were. Creepy. Now, how far, I'm not sure, but they watched us and they knew we were down there. 
At this point now, it's been roughly three or four days since my partner and I had ventured out to the base of this small canyon and had our nightmarish experience. And we've been kicking the idea around of how we're going to tell our boss. What are we going to say? And how do we even open up this conversation? All the while, everything that had been happening up to this point was still going on. There were still people disappearing. People were still reporting strange sounds and smells. Nothing had stopped. We were still having those strange suited men coming up harassing hikers and campers, harassing staff and personnel. Yeah, nothing had changed. In fact, everything was getting worse and we had to say something. I was no longer going to accept, I'm sorry guys, my hands are tied from our boss. We wanted answers and we felt like the experience that we just had prior, days prior, was enough. So. Finally, my partner and I went into his office and we sat down to tell him in detail exactly what we had been told, what we found out, our experiences, and what had happened about three days prior. We were surprised to find that during our entire story, he just listened. He didn't react much, he just nodded his head, and at some points he asked us really vague questions and eventually ended the conversation by telling us to keep quiet and not to tell anybody else about it. Hmm. We felt like we had hit a dead end and we were totally unsure how to go forward. I believe what we had told our boss must have gotten out because at several points over the following few days, my partner and I, specifically us, would be pulled to the side multiple times by people claiming to be military intelligence and these secret service looking rude guys. We were being questioned, almost harassed. We received voicemails at home telling us that we shouldn't be talking about this, we needed to keep quiet, or else things were going to be worse for us. Just crazy shit, straight out of a movie. But this was real life. Shit like this doesn't happen, so my partner and I were like, what the hell's going on? So finally, about a week into all of this, my partner and I are are pulled into a room that we didn't recognize, and we were questioned for about two or three hours where we told them everything. I mean everything, from what we knew, to the experience that we'd been having in the park, to what people had told us about. This includes the campers, hikers, and other personnel. We also told them everything we knew about the disappearances or any case we were aware of, Uh, And ultimately, the experience that we had in the canyon about 10 days prior at this point. Hmm. So at this point, we were informed the military would soon be on their way to clean up the situation. What? Right. I had no idea what was going on. Why would they have to bring in military personnel to the park? And it's almost like the events had flipped a switch in the park because now more than ever, People are leaving in droves. Campers, hikers who were coming for just a day or maybe a night or two were terrified and leaving early. There was just this general uneasiness lingering in the park. And the amount of sightings and reportings had almost tripled overnight. And now people were talking about seeing strange lights and shapes in the sky. Now, at this time in 1989, people weren't really talking much about UFOs and aliens. It wasn't... uh, This sort of thing wasn't really openly publicized until much later on, once the internet took hold. So, the months drew on, and all these things kept happening into spring of 1990, and even through the summer. We were experiencing the lowest attendance numbers on record. 
but you'll not find any of that documentation online or in any public records. It's all been washed away and explained as satanic rituals and the park areas being closed for quote-unquote maintenance. I also remember that during this time, from late fall to spring or summer of 1990, even staff was starting to experience strange and bizarre circumstances. In fact, some of the most commonly reported were these strange bangs and booms off in the distance, like dynamite exploding. But there's no visible dust clouds or explosions. Just something large exploding at random times throughout the day. There were no patterns to it, and there was nothing you can connect to it, really, that would make it understandable. It was just random, strange, and kind of terrifying. Well, it is a big volcano. It was at this point that things had become so bad for so long that our superiors had no choice but to do a press release and acknowledge some of the things going on in the park. Now, I remember, too, uh, that around this time, roughly late spring, early summer of 1990, a large part of our staff were told to keep quiet and had been either fired or just completely removed in general from the park. I think they were transferred, but I don't know. I wasn't told much. All I know is that a lot of people were not around anymore. In the press release given, the superiors had to write everything off as satanic panic, which in the 80s was very big, but everything strange going on was simply swept under the rug and just explained as occult activity or maintenance. However, most of the staff and personnel know that was not the case, and there were far more terrifying things going on in the park than just simple occult activity and maintenance. At this point, I began to reassess my focus. I had come to a crossroads with everything going on and with no signs of anything slowing down, I had to really reevaluate if I wanted to continue with my career. This was something that I had loved doing since I was a kid. I mean, I practically grew up in the woods. My dad and I would hunt all the time. I even tracked for a short time as a kid, and having this as my career was a dream of mine since I was seven. The fact that I had to potentially put all of this behind me and leave was hard for me to think about. So despite everything going on, I decided I wanted to keep my career, move forward. So I did my best to stay quiet for the time being. Now, we're going into late summer, early fall of 1990 about a year since all of this really began, and we're following the sightings and cases of all of this unexplainable and bizarre shit happening in the park. And the military starts showing up in droves. And everyone, including military and government personnel, are heading first to the northern sector of the park where the bulk of the activity seems to be taking place. Although there are fragments of activity going on in the east, west, and southern sectors. We were strictly told multiple times by not only military personnel, but our supervisors, not to interfere. Do not speak to them. Do not ask questions. We were simply not to interact in any way, shape, or form unless you are spoken to or unless you are called out for questioning. Daddy government. Simply put, they are to do their job and you are to do your job. Do not interfere. And as a matter of fact, doing so will result in immediate termination. We like didn't, termination? Fuck. They're going to yeah, beat right? you to the fuggles. We didn't really ask any more questions. I think we were so emotionally spent and exhausted from all these things going on. We didn't really care anymore. 
There was obviously something going on. We all knew that. But the stakes were so high at this point because many of us didn't want to lose our careers or worse. Now, even though the story I'm telling you seems to be focused around my partner and I, many of the staff at this time had also been experiencing weird things. So it's not just that everything is centered around my partner and I. Many of us were going through these troubling times. The very next day, the entire northern sector of the park was completely shut down. There's no in or out. There's zero access. They're doing something up there. And then they start bringing in machinery. And I'm talking large trucks, convoys of Humvees, vehicles and machinery, stuff I couldn't identify. Things being in that were draped and covered and looked really top secret. So something was clearly going on. Today, with everything I know now and all the knowledge that's out there, I firmly believe that they were cleaning up something, which I could only pinpoint back to the experience that my partner and I had down in that ravine. I don't know if it was alien. I don't know if it was a genetic experiment gone wrong, potentially a cryptid, demonic. I don't know. But they were doing something and they were moving very fast and it was very secretive. It continued like this for at least three or four weeks, and I think it wasn't until about Labor Day weekend when they all just, all of a sudden, disappeared. It wasn't like these convoys, machinery, and trucks just drove back out. They were just gone. As if overnight, the entire military crew just disappeared. They drove into the hollow (laughs) realm. It didn't make any sense. I never saw anybody leave, because when they were coming in, they took days to load everything in. That included military personnel. It was vehicles and machinery and teams and government agencies. And they were all showing up. And overnight, it's as if they were never there, as if they just vanished. I mean, there's no way they could have cleared out of the park from that sector that fast without anybody seeing. So what the fuck? Now, a few days after this had happened, things were beginning to reopen, albeit some parts were still closed off. But our supervisors informed all the staff that if there were any sightings of strange lights in the sky, and they specifically pointed out strange lights or strange objects seen in the sky, to not report it. Do not write it up. Do not talk about it. And if a camper comes up and they show concern or a hiker talks about an experience that happened, We were to not write it down or document it in any way whatsoever. It was actually strictly forbidden. What's also weird is that following this new rule, activity had exploded. For the next month or so, all the way through about November, we had gotten so many sightings and so many verbal reports from people camping about seeing beings and talking about seeing lights. And they were even saying UFOs and and other weird shit. Hmm. We had people who claimed they were abducted. Hmm. I mean, just crazy stuff you could never imagine, but we weren't allowed to document it. We couldn't even record it. There's nothing we could do. We just had to let it go. Now, once we came into the month of November, activity had greatly died down. In fact, it was almost as if things came to a complete stop. As we move forward to the spring of 1991, activity was still pretty quiet, and that includes everything from sightings to UFOs to the paranormal. And for the first time in a few years, we were seeing a lot of hikers and people who just enjoy recreational camping coming back into the park. I feel like for the first time in a couple years, life was springing back to normal and we were actually experiencing some normalcy again, which 
I had been longing for. This brings us to the final chapters of this story. Spring of this year was easily one of the best. We had seen a huge amount of people returning to the park for camping and hiking and other recreational activities. At this time, too, we had also just received a tremendous amount of money in the form of several grants from the government for our park to kind of reestablish itself, and I thought things were heading in the right direction. Come summertime, things are still looking very good, but... Now we start getting towards the end of summer, around September. And again, activity starts to pick back up. Well, it is cryptid mating season. (laughs) It starts in the form of people reporting large, unusually large wolves. Black wolves, gray wolves, and white wolves. Now, these wolves weren't just any wolves, but wolves that would stand upright. Now, remember our rule from here on out that we weren't allowed to take down any more sighting reports but now that things were kind of ramping up i decided even though i could lose my career i was going to start taking notes and recording these encounters for my own sake murders and disappearances were now becoming more frequent and you might think murders in the very traditional sense of somebody killing somebody else but We were more so finding people who had been murdered or killed in very ritualistic styled killings or just killed under really bizarre circumstances. Hmm. It was never a traditional somebody shot somebody else or somebody stabbed somebody else. It was far more gruesome than those things. And unfortunately, a lot of us staff and rangers were the ones that discovered the bodies. Much of these killings were written down as cult killings or ritualistic killings and simply put on paper just to pass it along and not deal with it anymore. Our park management was desperately trying to save face for the influx of traffic that was arriving. They didn't want anything to happen that would adversely affect the park's reputation, so they were doing everything they could to hide any information from the public and were producing press releases that would dismiss everything going on to greatly keep traffic and revenue flowing into the park. I remember things getting so bad that I actually started carrying a shotgun on evening and night patrols. I distinctly remember feeling followed and watched almost everywhere I went. I mean, there was no safe spot in the park, and you could even tell that campers were starting to experience this again, too, like they had a year or two prior. Things were spiraling again, and there were even rumors at the time that if this activity kept going on and being reported, that our park would be shut down permanently. I don't know how much truth there is to that statement or threat, but it must have been taken pretty seriously by upper management since they were very strict on not allowing us to report on anything going on. They actively worked to ensure that this park had none of that stuff happening and everything was dismissed with the cult killings. The last straw came when a large family, a mom and dad, a young daughter, a very little baby and a teenage son all disappeared from the lodge without a trace. Nobody had seen where they went. We have no idea what happened to them. They were last seen at the lodge and their car was discovered completely intact, still in the parking lot. Their campsite was as if they had simply just abandoned it with everything set up, completely untouched. And to this day, to my recollection, they were never found Hmm. and there was no trace of them ever found. So something happened to that family. I don't know what happened, but they're gone. We alerted the authorities 
and our supervisors and the upper management panicked. They started to do everything they could to suppress the information from getting out and to not attract the press because things like this get press attention very quickly. Mm -hmm. So they had to pull some strings and do what they could to keep things calm. Cunts. I feel like everything, especially after this particular event, began to take a much darker turn and activity was greatly increasing. And I could feel, I felt like I couldn't continue on this path anymore. Constantly being berated by upper management, being threatened to keep quiet or my livelihood and my career would be in jeopardy, and not being able to take down reports or give the time of day to these poor people and the families who are experiencing these horrendous things. I had nobody to turn to and had nobody who would listen. So I realized I could no longer be a part of this corrupt system. And I retired from being a park ranger in December of 1991. Former ranger dick. I kept close tabs with several of my friends and colleagues, particularly my partner, the one which I had that experience with about a year at uh, the mouth of the cavern, and kept in close contact with her until her disappearance in 1994. Whoa. Which I believe the park or the government had something to do with because she knew things and was threatening to go to the press on all of it. Like me, she was sick and tired of all the secrets, all the conspiracies. Everything was being downplayed. She believed that the public had a right to know what was going on in the park. And she was done keeping secrets. So she had gone to our boss, apparently, from what she told me over dinner. And after she had let him know that she was going to reveal everything to the press the next day, I didn't hear from her anymore. Oh, wow. I had called her. I went to her house. Nothing. She was just gone. And then I found out she was actually on the national missing persons list. To the best of my knowledge, she was never found. Our last dinner together, she began revealing more information to me about what had been going on in the park because even though I retired at the end of 91, she continued working and actually moved up in management. Apparently, from being in her position, she had learned some things about the military and why they were showing up there. Apparently, into 1992, 93, and 94, the military was upping their volume and coming into the park yet again, hopefully to take care of whatever was happening, but activity still continued to increase. I remember when we were having dinner, she was so wide-eyed and telling me all these things. She wasn't even focused on eating her food. She was just blown away by the amount of secrets that were kept and the things that were going on. She kept saying and and referring to a giant conspiracy and what was happening with Yellowstone, specifically Yellowstone. And then she kept using words like the darkness or the darkness that something was going on underneath Yellowstone or part of the outer section of Yellowstone. And she told me that there were so many details and so much information that she knew she was going to have to write it up in documentation and give it to me to keep it safe. Are we safe doing this podcast for fuck's sake? I don't know shit. Mr. Foggles, big titted wolf guy. Unfortunately, before she was able to write it all up, she disappeared. So I believe that something happened to her because she simply knew too much information. And since all of these events have transpired, I've tried to do my best to basically just remove myself from my entire past career life. I don't have contact anymore with anybody. I've since moved states and live a completely different life just to try and separate myself from my past. Hmm. 
I figured now, since I'm getting older, it's probably time I write this story up and share it with the rest of the world so they too can know what's going on. If anybody out there hears this story, just know to be cautious. Keep an eye out. What Yellowstone shows you and what all the national parks show you is what they want you to see. It's what they want the public to know. But deep down, there are secrets that the public eye will never see. And that darkness is bleeding through and affecting things more than you could possibly ever imagine. Bum, bum, fuck. Well, let's conclude on the other end of this. So what do our dipshits think about Ranger Dick and his story of whatever the fuck that was? Eh? Holy crap. Yeah. Now, oh, that's a story. That is a story. Fuck. I, I mean, real or not, uh, this could, seems to me, it could be a screenplay for a, a movie, movie or something. Yeah, I would watch the movie. So... I think there is, uh, there's like a rival kind of has that kind of is there? a little bit. So but. what are your thoughts? Did I just share an hour long lie with y'all <laughs> or did this man actually experience something? Well, he so is Ranger Dick. I wanted to, uh, I tried actually, I did some digging and I looked into Yellowstone cause I wanted to, I even looked up a family disappearance in the year and the month and all of that. Uh, I found a bunch of shit. Really? I Ton- found lots a, of disappearance. A people, right? lot of shit. Right. Uh, Yellowstone has some weird stuff going on for sure. You name it. Uh, disappearances, mutilations, ritual killings, murders, um, just weird stuff. Body is, parts found. It's just very strange. And this is stuff find, that's in the news. Did they ever find anything? Like, like the ritual killings and stuff, you would think that they could start an investigation and try and find mm-hmm. but. I couldn't... So I remember the satanic panic, almost all of that was bullshit. Right. But obviously people are pulling heads off and stuff. And there is some satanic... Right, uh, right. You know, blood shit. Right. Uh, I found... I didn't dig deep enough to find out if they ever came to a conclusion. Mm. Um, But after looking through quite a few news articles, some people wandered off and got lost. Um, Some people were like uh, burned... Um, and they died due to burns being in an area they weren't supposed to be in, apparently from thermal activity. Hmm. Um, there's just individuals that would get lost and it was just blamed on getting lost. Ritual activity was during that period of time, which I did find kind of interesting. There were some uh, suspected satanic rituals going on in the park. Um, but then when I compared it to the other parks, just real quick, uh, every national park seems to have ritual activity in it. Mm. So it's kind of interesting. Well, it makes me think of like back to my old tinfoil hat times mm-hmm. days. Uh, I would remember, I remember thinking of the United Nations doing stuff. Cause there was a couple articles that I read from probably very unscrupulous sources and I don't know, but maybe it's true still. I don't know mm-hmm. uh, where the United Nations had a bunch of tanks and shit in the middle of a lot of parks mm-hmm. during the yeah like late nineties, mid nineties. Hmm. Okay. And, I don't remember exactly. I think the ownership of some of the parks switched hands from the country to mm. to foreign powers and stuff. I really don't know. Hmm. It's something for other human beings to look into. Right. That's just something I remember. Well, that's interesting. Spewing from my conspiracy theory show. Right. Um, but I, it, I, I'm always... Well, there was a couple of articles I did find, <laughs> that, and but they weren't reliable sources, but that did say, and I don't remember the exact dates. I thought they were later than this. But it did say that the military were using um, the area near Yellowstone for t- some type of testing. Right. Um, it's possible it could be like the only place that you right. can test certain things on this continent or something. Or right. Who knows? And it is owned by the government and they mm-hmm. can 
do what you want. And I guess if you walk onto their property and camp, mm-hmm. you're their mm-hmm. property too, and yeah. they can do what they want. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> kind of like, you know, when you go diving in the ocean, you become prey. Yep, fair enough. But you it's go our to Yellowstone, you become like, prey. They're like, you signed your life away. By getting, <laughs> by getting a camping <laughs> slot. Some of it makes me think volcano fumes, because mm-hmm. it is a big old volcano, and maybe oh, yeah. you never know. Maybe people, are, again, but maybe people are losing their minds because of the methane gas. It could be some stuff up there, or never radiation know. of some mm-hmm. kind, or some could kind be. of thing where it starts to fuck with their cells, and they start... Could be. But the tattooed bear man shit... Well, it's pretty interesting for multiple people to see it. Exactly. For sober people to see right. it. And what about the poor old woman who lost her arms? I didn't find that. I looked and I couldn't. But I, of course, I put a lot of uh, writing in. So I and I did some research, too, but I didn't follow up in depth research for the stuff that was stated in here. So I did look into it. I did find some interesting things, but he didn't really use names. Yeah, and what, what rips arms off? I don't. Anyway, I don't know. Maybe she. I, I don't know. I do know a couple old ladies that if you sneezed on them wrong, one of their arms would fall off. It's a weird thing. Yeah. There might be a Wookiee out in the woods. Well, I mean, they, how they do those? That. How did the people lose their heads? Wookies. That newlywed couple. They I weren't beat up. Their bodies off. weren't marked. Their heads were removed. That's just weird. You know. Now I can understand the guy's head maybe somehow maybe there was a serial killer out there and maybe he refrigerated the head mm. um, and then threw it out a window when he was leaving right. you know what I mean Jeffrey Dahmer refrigerated heads right right so, right yeah. so maybe that happened uh, and of course the the eyes would be gone because that's one of the first things to deteriorate right um, as as you lose liquid um, the ocular fluid. It's also an autonomous delicacy. I really like the autonomous. eyes. Autonomous. <laughs> I love the eyes. And then the tongue could very well have been, you know, chewed out by an animal. But, right. um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. They never found her head. But what rips them off? I don't know. Dude was leaned up against a tree. Could have been a serial killer, though, because that's not unheard of in this these parks. Yeah, same kind of thing where mm-hmm. you got a lot of space and there's nobody really around. Right. But there's victims around that also don't have a lot of help or mm-hmm. space. Huh. Well, when you've got, you know, an individual, it's a lot of people, like that woman, she did die on the way to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, there has to be investigations as to what happened. Um, but that family disappearing... I did find one article about a family that disappeared from Yellowstone. Hmm. Uh, I didn't catch the date, but a whole family disappeared, and they suspected that they had wandered off on a hike and got lost. Fell into a precipice or something. Mm -hmm. I imagine it would be very difficult to find people if they get too far away from Mm -hmm. ranger guys and gals. So, damn. Anyway. Yeah, so aliens for sure. (laughs) Uh, That's for sure. I always... with the military running into the, the the woods like that, it does mm-hmm. remind me of those conspiracies of, you know, just, but it's not really a conspiracy. It's running drills in mm-hmm. a place that they can run drills that are similar to where they might run drills somewhere else. So right, right. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as like people being killed or hurt, that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Our government shouldn't do that. Mm-mm. And it probably didn't. Who knows what did that? But, right. you know, some of the sightings and things like that. Mm-hmm. What if it was, you know, there's a military presence in the middle somewhere and they built something mm-hmm. so they're staying there mm-hmm. and what if it's just guys fucking with people too? right that well what if well this be. guy who who this this first hand account what if this just isn't a creative writing project right and he did backwards stuff where he looked into some stuff mm. 
Uh, Ranger and then, Dick's a fucking fraud. Right, right. And then, mm. you know, wrote this story. It's quite possible. Yeah. The tattooed, I mean, there's no creatures that I know of that have like a kind of a blue tattoo look. I'd, I'd love to see it. Uh, bear, I mean, that's really intriguing and it was a good story. And that's why it's like, yeah, maybe bullshit for sure. Maybe. I like the, mm-hmm. the creative writing angle for sure. But regardless, that was a nice way to spend 55 minutes. It was a fun story. Very, very interesting. Uh, I don't know. Intrigued my brain. Yeah. Do I believe it? Fuck no. But um, <laughs> I find I it... It would change everything if we had to believe it, that. Well, that's just it. I mean, do I believe parts of it? I think maybe certain parts. You know, somebody got hurt. Yeah. The military was probably there for some other reason. Right. Yes, money was pulled into... Yellowstone probably you because to revitalize yeah, it and yeah. give it some new garbage. Was cans. there maintenance? Yeah, I'm sure there probably yeah, was. Probably it's a national park. I don't know. I'm sure there's uh, bits of truth throughout this whole thing. Is there a deep underground military base with a bunch of genetic mutations <laughs> running around? <laughs> with blue, yes. blue and white striped uh, bear dog man. Wouldn't that be funny though? There was some genetic experiments, mm-hmm. and and these guys like there's a whole story with the with the bear men, and, <laughs> and they actually got to they're like. All right, we'll let you guys go. You're tearing up the facility. Mm-hmm. Just don't fuck with anyone. Just stay where you're at in a little cave. And they're like, yeah, okay. okay. And then, you know. And here's a box. Then a mind, few people come close. Mind, flashy mind memory thingy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Put people to sleep and drop them off in the middle of the woods that's, after you take all their clothes. That's pretty weird. Yeah. yeah. Somebody should make a movie of this. Yep. That's and weird. Then, and then we can see it for our own selves. That'd weird story. Maybe yeah. maybe Ranger... Ranger Dick should. I hope Ranger Dick does. <laughs> they can team up with Ranger Jim and they can fucking make a big old movie. A well, compendium. That was fun. That was fun. I love it. Thank yeah. you for doing all the research and You're giving welcome. us uh, a couple of yellow stones. You're welcome. All right, thank you guys for listening. Thank you to all of you that help our show and smear poop, I guess is what we call it now. Smear the scat. Smear the scat. <laughs> Info at scatcast.com lets us know, uh, mm-hmm. you know what you think about stuff. And if you have any ideas for show stuff, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Feedback. We'd love to do a, a listener thing again. We've mm-hmm. done a few listener things in the past. We'll, yeah. we'll be doing that in the future. So if you got spooky tales or maybe mm-hmm. some stories about weird shit in these forests. Yeah. In the, the national forests. Yeah. National parks. Let us know. Yeah. All right. Scatcast.com for merch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Scatcast for the fun goodies that make us happy. Mm-hmm. And bonus stuff for you. We love our Order of the Elder Turds, our trusted turd triad of Don, Chris, and Bodie. We hope yeah. to join the Garbage Disposal on Facebook and, Absolutely. of course, the shit box there. And Paul at the Poe, PJ and Minnie at our Scatcast subreddit, mm-hmm. all our littermates and our fat cats, and all you lovely scat smear and scat suckers. <laughs> and as always, we'll talk at you in the future. And it'll seem like the present. Bye. Bye.